looking at John chapter 10, and we're looking at the 10th verse. Now, probably, probably many of you can quote this verse, but uh, it's still true. Isn't that right? <laughs> Even though you can quote it, it's still true. And sometimes we have to watch about the ones we're real familiar with because uh, we get to thinking we know what they say and in actuality miss a lot of things that they say. Uh, every time you read a verse or hear a verse, especially if it's a familiar one, always remind yourself there are things in that verse I have never seen or heard. How many know that's true? Always true. No one has ever exhausted all the light and revelation from any one verse of Scripture, have they? Because the Word is like God Himself. I mean, you know, can you exhaust all that God knows? All that He'll know? Even though you may get a lot of light from a verse of Scripture, there's still more light there. There's things you haven't seen, things you haven't heard. So you've got to stir yourself up, especially on familiar verses of Scripture like Mark 11, 23 and 24, Hebrews 11, 1, Philippians 4, 19, and different verses that you may be familiar with. There are things in those verses you have never seen and never heard. But if you don't look at them and look for those things, then you won't see them. You have to be open to it, don't you? But in John 10, 10, Jesus is speaking here. And he said, the thief cometh not. You know, you could just stop right there. Uh, the thief does come. Somebody said, well, I thought it said, thief cometh not. Well, cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he does come. Doesn't he? I mean, you know, you could preach a message on that. The thief cometh. What are you going to do about it? Because he cometh. Amen. You know, we can try to stick our head in the sand and pretend that the devil is dead. And that we're, you know, that we're faith people and we're never going to have any problems. We're never going to have any challenges or trials or tests. And some folk kind of imply that, that if you live by faith, you'll never have any problems. But you won't find that anywhere in the Bible. Nowhere. The walking in faith and being a faith person does not guarantee you that you'll never have any trials or tests or attacks. Being a faith person and walking consistently in faith guarantees that you win every one of them. That you win every time. But in order to win, there has to be a conflict. Isn't that right? In order to have a miracle, you have to have an impossible situation. Anybody want any miracles? <laughs> you first have to have impossible situations. Isn't that right? Well, thank God though, even though the thief cometh, somebody else came. Amen. Amen. The thief cometh. Yeah, he cometh. He comes. You have an adversary, the devil. He goes about. He cometh. As a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, I like that word may. Aren't you glad that word may is in there? That means there are some he may devour, and there are some he may not. And it's up to you which one you are. I, for one, have decided that I'm one of the ones he may not devour. When he comes roaring and with his temptations and his suggestions and his attacks and whatever, I say, all he's doing is knocking on my door saying, may I devour you? And I say, no. I resist you in the name of Jesus. You may not devour me. Now, you have sometimes you have to stand there. You know, you have to resist him steadfast in the faith. That implies you may have to stand more than an hour or two or a day or two. Amen. 
See, some people, they don't understand why that if everything doesn't change instant, instantaneously, what's wrong? Well, no, the Bible tells you you may have to stand steadfast in the faith. And the Bible warns you about growing weary and well-doing. Warns you about growing weary and casting your confidence away. If there wasn't the possibility of there being some prolonged attack, then why would he even bring those things up? Now, we all like those fights that are knockout fights, you know. I mean, you know, here comes the attack. Bam, we hit him with the word, and that's it. The fight's over. We won. We hold up our hand. Glory to God. And so many times when you're a baby Christian, that's all the kind the Lord will let you have because, see, you're, you're not up for anything else. First Corinthians, you know, 10, 13 says, There's no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow or suffer you to be tempted above what you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. So in other words, he's not going to allow you uh, to be tested or tempted or what have you above what you're able in him to overcome. He's watching out for you. Amen. And uh, But what happens as you grow older and you develop, well, you're up for bigger fights sometimes. That's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, some people, I, I, one reason I say this is because I've dealt with folk before that, you know, they say, well, Brother Keith, I don't understand. When I first got saved, man, I prayed and bam, there it was, you know. And, and now I've been standing against this thing for three months and I feel worse than I ever did. Well, see, so you're in one of those 15-rounders. <laughs> See, nobody likes those, right? See, sometimes even though a situation may look identical on the outside to something that you encountered previously and overcame very quickly and easily, yet spiritually it's much more substantial. Amen. And the key here is that you just don't quit. You don't let anything move you off of your faith, even though it may not change as quickly as you'd like for it to. You just stand. And having done all, you you run and change. No, no. Having done all, you just do what? You you stand. You keep standing. When do you quit standing? Well, when you get ready to be defeated. No, you just got to keep on standing. And the Word of God gives us a great assurance that if we will do that, the, the Bible says He always causes us to triumph. Amen. Always, every time. If you won't quit. If you won't cast away your confidence. So thank God we can be victorious in every situation through faith. doesn't mean we won't have any tests. We won't have any trials. It just means that we will win every time if we'll believe God and won't quit. Do you believe that? Amen. Now notice he said, the thief cometh. But the thief can also goeth, can he? <laughs> we resist him and he'll goeth. Isn't that right? He cometh. I mean, he came to Jesus, didn't he? Well, I mean, we're not, we're not above our master. He came to him, tempted him for 40 days and nights, constantly. I mean, that's a prolonged situation, wasn't it? Enemy exhausted his resources and finally left him for a season. For a season. For a season. What does that mean? He cometh again. But Jesus was always ready. Prayed up. Amen. In good fellowship with the Father. And he was always ready with, it is written. It is written. And even when the devil started quoting scriptures, he said, yeah, but it is also written. Amen? Showing us how to deal with the enemy. So he cometh. But, it went on later to say, I am come, Jesus said. He has come. That they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. 
Amen. Don't you notice that phrase in particular? Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Or as the Amplified says, I am come that they might have uh, and enjoy life. How many know it's scriptural for you to enjoy life? We talked about that yesterday. For those of you that weren't with us, we talked about how that the scripture again and again talks about enjoying life. How that over in uh, even the New Testament, 1 Timothy 6, 17, he said, God giveth us richly all things to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy life. Doesn't he? And he says here, he said, I am come that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Why did Jesus come? That we might have overflowing, abundant life. Now, you know, as we said, I'll just review for a little bit for the benefit of those of you that weren't with us. We, this is our second session on this subject this week. It began yesterday. Talking about the fact that Jesus came that we might have the abundant life. To hear some folk uh, speak, you know, they, they just say, well, Jesus came to give us a, a greater philosophy. Jesus came to show us a high moral standard of living and operating. Well, Jesus came, what, you know, well, well, he did, but he, he came for a much greater reason than that. Amen. He came for a much greater purpose than that. He came that we might have life. Amen. And not just life, but life more abundantly to the full till it overflows. Now, we talked a little bit about this abundant life. We said, first of all, that the word abundant means more than enough. More than enough. Now, what is enough? Enough is adequate, sufficient. Nothing extra but enough. But abundant is more than enough. But we said that that doesn't even sufficiently describe what this verse literally says. The Greek word here that's translated, you know, more, uh, they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The, the phrase more abundantly actually literally means super abundance. It's more than abundant. See, abundant would be abundant. But what is super abundant? That same, this is the same word that over in Ephesians is translated exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. It's also in, in 2 Corinthians translated beyond measure. So we're not just talking about more than enough. What are we talking about? Super abundance. What does that mean? More than, more than enough. Isn't that right? More than, more than enough what? Life. Life. Jesus came that we might have the superabundant life. Now when he says life, you have to define that too. What is he talking about? He's not just talking about existence. And he's not just talking about eternal existence. Many times in the scripture you'll see the phrase, New Testament, you'll see the phrase eternal life. And that's what we now have through faith in Jesus. We have eternal life. And but so many times people will, they view that as, uh, you know, well you, you will just exist forever. But if that's all it means, well then the sinner's got it too. Because they're going to exist forever in another locality. 
Isn't that right? It's not just existing eternally. This, uh, this phrase, more abundantly, also means this. It means superabundant in quantity and superior in quality. Now that's from Strong's, a definition of the word. It means superabundant in quantity. Well, now that means length of time. We do know that this life that we have of God, it is eternal. I mean, it goes on without end. Isn't it great to know that you'll never die? Now, yeah, physically, if the Lord tears is coming, we'll live out our life down here and slip out of our body. But even in a sense, I mean, you know, that just means your physical death just means you slip out of your body. There's no such thing as soul sleep. You understand? The split second after you're dead, physically, you're completely aware. And you don't change into an angel. That would be a demotion. That's right. The Bible says we shall judge angels. No. You are you. You have your mind, your faculties. And you're very much existent and cognizant and aware. Your body sleeps in the ground. But you don't even lose it permanently. When the trump sounds, it's going to raise back up out of the grave and it's going to be changed. Immortal, incorruptible, and you're going to re-enter it. Amen. But you know, it's, it's good to realize that you and I are going to exist forever. That kind of helps you to relax, doesn't it? <laughs> What's the rush? You're going to be around forever. <laughs> Amen. Everybody say, I am an eternal being. I will exist, I will exist forever, forever with, God. with God. Amen. Now see, none of us are eternal in the sense that God is eternal because he has no beginning nor ending. Now you can't wrap your head around that. No need to try. Just accept it. Because <laughs> everything we have anything to do with has a beginning. You know, everything, everything has to have a point of reference for us to understand. We have a, a birth day. We got started. We, we can point to where we got started physically. But thank God, we will go on and on and on throughout the ages existing with God. And it just gets better. I said it gets better. Amen. If you'll walk with God, it gets better down here. Every year. And then it certainly gets better after that. You know, that's, that's great, because that means the worst is behind us. If it gets better. Now, I didn't say you're not going to have any trials or tests, but the thing is, you'll be better prepared for them. Amen. Amen. And so many times anyway, the, the, the degree of the struggle is so, much, so many times the result of our unpreparedness. So many times it's not so much that it's, you know, that this person has such greater trials than this person. It's just that this person is not as prepared to deal with their obstacles as this person. We've already quoted the scripture that says we all encounter the same trials and tests. There's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. 
First Peter said the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren throughout the world. We're all experiencing basically the same things, the Bible says. Now, you, you might not think so from looking at outward appearances, though, might you? You know why? It's just because of the way people deal with them. Some people, I mean, to watch them on the outside, you might think, well, now, that's just not fair. They don't ever have any trials. But the truth be known, they're having tougher trials than you are. They just don't cry about them as much. Or gripe or bellyache about them. They deal with them better. There's no such thing as a minister or a Christian that never has any trials or tests or temptations. Amen. And if you see somebody that it seems that way, just understand they must be doing a pretty good job dealing with them. Amen. You understand that it's not, we ought not to try to impress each other with how tough things are going for us. That's a sign of our immaturity. You understand? But it is a sign of maturity that even though, I mean, we have really been challenged, yet we never lose our shout, we never lose our smile, we never lose our peace, and so many times we've already got the victory before people ever knew we were having a problem. You know, so many times people really, they do make their problem manifold more times worse by telling everybody about it and discussing and debating all around and everybody gets to thinking about it and talking about it and it just gets blown out much worse than it would have been if you just kept it to yourself. How many know that's true? It's true. Anyway... <laughs> Here in John, he said uh, that he came that we might have life. And we might have it more abundantly, or as the scripture literally says, super abundantly. And as we said, this life is not just, uh, you know, super abundant in quantity that we will live forever, but it is also superior in quality. What kind of life is it that Jesus came to give us? He came to give us the same kind of life he has. Of course, he has eternal life, but a quality of existence. What quality of life does God enjoy? What quality? You can see the quality of life revealed in several in the manifestations of the Spirit and in the fruit of the Spirit. Just take the first three fruit of the Spirit that are mentioned. Love, joy, peace. Let's just say that you lived a life that's full of love full of joy, and full of peace. Now, that's the God quality of life, isn't it? And sinners don't live that quality of life, do they? No, they don't. You exist before you get saved, but you begin to live after you get saved if you'll walk with the Lord. Did you notice he said, I came that they might have life. He didn't say that just because he'd come and provide it, everybody's going to automatically enjoy it. He came so we could have it. It's available to us, but the sad fact is that so many people are not enjoying the abundant life. Christians are not enjoying the abundant life. And so we talked yesterday about that, about, you know, what is the abundant life? God intended that we experience the abundant life in every realm of our existence. Spiritually, soulically, mentally, 
physically, financially, materially, socially, maritally, family-wise. God intends that we experience the superabundant God kind of life. But just because it's available to us doesn't mean we automatically enjoy it. Does it? He came that we might have it. It's available to us. Since he's come, any of us can have it. Can have it. What is the abundant life spiritually? The super abundant life. Well, it's uh, enjoying full, unhindered fellowship with God. Didn't the Bible said that uh, in his presence is fullness of joy? Amen. Full, unhindered fellowship with the Lord God Almighty. And he said, I, I, I will that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. As our soul is prospering, that's going to affect outward and external prosperity. What's the abundant life physically? Having health and strength and to spare. Now, if you have health enough, you know, I mean, you, you're making it. <laughs> you're still breathing. I mean, you, you know, is that the abundant life? No. Well, I'm getting by. I have problems. I have a lot of pain. But I, I'm making it. See, some people have left the impression that, that, you know, that God wills that we just live a rake by, scrape by life. A meager existence. But one of the names He revealed Himself to us by is El Shaddai. Literally means one who is mighty to nourish and supply. And from that we get the God who is more than enough. Amen. Not rake by, scrape by, get by. The God who is more than enough. More than enough. God's wanting to get something in our spirits. That He is not a get by God. He's El Shaddai. Amen. There's so many, you know, reasons why we should believe that and so many things we should get that from but yet many, many Christians some way or another through the years through religion through tradition they've come to the conclusion that well, you know uh, we just ought to be thankful that we can scrape by some way somehow. Well, yeah, that beats going under. We for sure be thankful that you're getting by but to assume that that is God's will that I just scrape by and get by is wrong. I said, it's wrong. It's wrong. I mean, just look at the creation. God could have created three stars. Isn't that right? Just three. We got light from the moon. We got light from the sun. He could just, you know, just three or four. But no, he, he had to go all over the universe. We have no idea how big this thing is. It's the truth. I mean, the most learned individual has no idea how big this thing is. I was looking at some some uh, drawings and some uh, schematics of some uh, you know of what our most powerful telescopes have been able to to uh, to show us, and they said, "Here is our solar system." Okay, there's our planets. Here's the sun. There's our planet. Little bitty dot. Okay, and then here is our solar system in this larger system. It's a little dot here. The whole solar system is now a dot. And then here is our, I forget the names they use, you know, uh, 
galaxy I get. Yeah, here's our galaxy in this sector. And it's a dot in this. I mean, in just two or three steps, you, you can't, you're shaking your head, you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean, just a little dot. And that's not the planet, that's the whole galaxy. <laughs> this thing is big. <laughs> Isn't that right? It's big, it's huge. It, it, it's beyond imagination. We have no concept how big this thing is. And I mean, just take, you know, take flowers. He could have made two or three. You know, if some theologians had been God, the way they believe and the way they preach, there would only been three varieties of flowers and they'd all been different shades of gray. <laughs> but you can tell so much about God. Just look at the creation. How many different varieties of flowers are there? And colors. And fish. And birds. You know? And take all the different fruit and all the vegetables. I mean, God could have just, you know, made one or two things to eat this. It'll sustain you. But no, there's just enormous variety. And like one individual said, there's more bananas fall off the trees in the jungle than people will ever could ever eat. There's and, and whether people know it or not, there's more wealth on this planet than any of us could ever spend in a lifetime. It's the truth. There's enough wealth on this planet for every human being to be a, a, a billionaire. That's right. Somebody said, well, I, maybe so, but I don't have any other. Well, you need to start believing the Bible. The Bible said it's the wealth of the wicked's laid up for you. I mean, he wants you to be blessed. It's here. And he knows how to make the transfer. He knows how. But yeah, the, the biggest obstacle that is standing in people's way, Christians' way, from living the abundant life is not lack of opportunity or lack of provision or lack of resources. It is wrong thinking and wrong believing. That's what hinders people. That's what keeps people sick. It's what keeps people poor. It's what keeps people down and out. It's because they believe wrong. They believe wrong about God. They believe wrong about the plan of God. They believe wrong about the kingdom and the church. They believe wrong. What did Jesus come to give us? A hard time? I mean, to hear some people talk, you think you did. They talk about how heavy the yoke is, how heavy their burden is, and how hard it is to be a Christian in this world today. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Didn't he? He said, my grace is sufficient. He said, you're an overcomer. More than a conqueror. He said, I came that you might have life. And not just have it and get by. That you might have it till it overflows. Super abundance of life. Can you say amen? Amen. We need to let God enlarge our vision of Him. How big is our God? What is He able to do? Does He want to use His vast ability for you, though? Yes, He does. Yes, yes, yes. He wants to. If He can just find people that will believe right, think right, and agree with Him. Agree with Him. 
I know the Lord had to work on me. Still is working on me. You know that. But I mean had to work on me. To help get my vision enlarged. I grew up, you know, not necessarily real wealthy. You might, you know, some people would have called us poor. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we, but, but when everybody else around you lives the same way, I mean, you don't know any difference. When you get out and see what other people have, you begin to realize, hey, I was poor. <laughs> but you, <laughs> but you don't, you don't realize that. How many of what I'm saying? I mean, we didn't go hungry. My parents weren't lazy. They worked hard. But how many know that, that hard work doesn't make you prosperous? Amen. That in and of itself. See, some people, that's the philosophy they live by. Well, if you work hard, you'll, you'll be prosperous. No, that's not true. There's a lot of people that, I mean, they have worked their self silly. And they're poor, poor, poor. It takes more than just hard work. Now, you need to be willing to work. You have to be willing to do some things. But it takes more than just hard work. It takes more than that. What does it take? The main thing it takes is the blessing of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you, give you opportunities, give you favor, prosper what you work hard at. If God, you know, if the Lord's not blessing you in it, you can work yourself silly and have nothing. Amen. The Bible says, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain at building. It's not just hard work. Now, don't misunderstand me. We live in a day that there's a lot of lazy folk around. They need a good dose of hard work. Eh? They need to understand what it's all about. Need to be willing to work. But it's not just you by your own efforts that's going to cause you to prosper necessarily. You're going to have to have the blessing and favor of God in your life. That's the key. But as the Lord began to bless us, uh, you know, I, the Lord began to deal with me to, to, to change my thinking. Get a bigger vision. Amen. In, in all things. Now, you know, I'm talking about some material things and some financial things, but that's just one aspect of a whole mentality. And the reason why sometimes people get upset when you start talking about money is because they have a narrow concept of everything, not just money and finances. It makes them mad when you start talking about that because they, they just have a, a wrong concept of the whole thing. God, kingdom, everything. What God wants for them. God doesn't want you raking and scraping by all your life physically. Just barely living. Just barely making it. Well, I got enough life to get me through till tomorrow. He came that you might have abundant life. So that you're strong. You feel good. You, are, you not only have enough life for you to function well, you got enough to help other people. You got energy left over to, to reach out and help others. You can't really minister to others like you should unless you got good health. I mean, it takes all of your time just taking care of yourself. Struggling through, trying to make it through another day. God wants you to have abundant health. And he doesn't want you to go through all your life raking and scraping, just trying to make it from one light bill and one car payment to the next. Amen. He wants you to get a vision for him blessing you so that according to the Scriptures, you may always have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. That's the Bible. That's the will of God for those that will give abundantly and believe God. Amen. He wants you to have plenty. So that you can, so you can say, well, praise God, all the bills are paid, and look at all this money I got left. Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Amen. 
Everything's paid ahead of time. And look at all this money I got. The Lord has prospered me. Superabundance. Is that God? I know some folk don't like to talk about these things, but we need to. And don't be concerned. I'm not going to take up an offering in here. No offerings today. So you know I'm not saying it for selfish reasons. We're not taking up any offerings. No. But we need to understand what kind of God we serve and what kind of spirit is in us. He's the great God, El Shaddai, the liberal God. He so loved the world, he gave. He wasn't stingy. He gave his all. Amen. Amen. And he ever lived, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. He constantly gives himself for us. And he gives us richly all things to enjoy. The Bible said if God didn't withhold Jesus from us, but freely gave him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's the kind of God he is. When you realize who he is and what kind of God he is, it makes you that way. Instead of being stingy and tight and narrow, you begin to be liberal. Amen. Open up your heart. And you give, not just money, you give your time, you give your help, you give your energy and your money and your resources. You just, that's you, you give. The person that can't give money usually can't give other things either. It's all connected. And sometimes people that believe God God didn't want them to have anything financially and materially, they also have some of the same mentality physically. Well, you know, God, you know, people talk like this, well, God, God said he'd meet our needs. You know, he never told us he'd give us what we desired or wanted. He told us he would meet our needs. Wrong. I said wrong. He also told us he would give us desires and wants. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Those that fear the Lord, to them there will be no want, the scripture says. Amen. What things ever you desire. When you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. I mean, he goes on and on. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He talks about many of these things. But see, people have this narrow concept to them. They, they, they say, well, now God told you he'd meet your needs. But now we don't always know what we need. I mean, we'll, we'll make it some way by some hook or crook. Well, no, you don't know the character of God. You don't know him. That's not the way he is. Yeah, you may experience some attacks and some tests and trials, but it's God's will that you come out on the other end with superabundance. Superabundance of victory. Superabundance of peace. Superabundance of health. And yes, superabundance of material and financial provision. That's God's will. I said, that's God's will. Now, I didn't say how you or how another person or how me might be living right now. I said, that's God's will. And what happens so many times, people are saying, well, you know, I've, I've been raking, raking by and scraping by for years, you know. Uh, well, yeah, but that don't prove the will of God. Amen. So you've got to start believing what God's will is, even when your present circumstances are the exact opposite of it. And instead of so many people, bless their hearts, trying to water down the word to make it fit my lack of experience, believe God to elevate your experience to match the word. If you see something in the Word and you're not living at that level, don't try to start trying to explain the Scriptures away. Just start saying, well, i got to come up to that. Lord, help me. Teach me. Show me. I'll change. I'll make a judge. Help me to get to that level of life. 
Amen. You know, it's hard for you to have a world vision for missions when you're having trouble paying your light bill. <laughs> Isn't it? Say what you will. It's hard for you to really have a proper world vision for missions when you're just raping and raking by and scraping by. You understand? But when you can begin to get on top of some things and you got your business taken care of and you got extra and you begin to look around, sow and give, and you get a, you get a better vision. It gets stronger in you. It gets clearer to you. No matter where you're at right now, physically, you may be scraping by. You may have pain. You may have symptoms. You may just be scraping by from day to day making it. Well, hang on. Hang on. Because if you keep making it, you can get to the abundant life. Amen? Amen. Financially, you may just be eking out in existence. You may owe everybody and their brother. And, and be behind. Think you can never catch up. All things are possible to him that believes. Amen? Amen. Believe God. Do the best you can where you're at, but believe God to get to the abundant life. I don't mean just being covetous and idolatrous and putting things ahead of God. I hope you know I don't mean that. God abhors covetousness. He said, seek me first. Seek the kingdom of God first. And my righteousness and these things will be added to you. But he wants us to be blessed. You know, sometimes the people that have things are not as covetous as people that don't have things. Do you know that? I've known people and met people before that they were very wealthy. They had a lot of things, but the things, I mean, they had had them, it didn't mean that much to them. It's sometimes the people that have never had anything that are so covetous. They think, boy, if I could just have that, that would make my life. No, it won't. Man's life doesn't exist in the abundance of the things that he possesses, Jesus said. Our joy is not based on things. Our joy is based on Jesus. Amen? But you know, the Lord wants us to be blessed. But why is it that we as Christians oftentimes have not enjoyed the abundant life, whether it was physically or whatever area? There are some reasons. God wants us to have the life that's more than enough. Do you believe that? More than enough. Everybody say, more than enough. God wants me to have more than enough joy. More than enough peace. More than enough direction. More than enough health and strength. More than enough money. More than enough spiritual fruit. God wants me to have and to live in superabundance. Amen. You believe that, don't you? Meditate on it till it gets bigger inside you. Till it gets greater and greater and greater. Amen. It is not God's will for you to live a narrow, eke out an existence, scrape by life. He wants you to have enough and not stop there. He wants you to have more than enough and not stop there. Right? He wants you to have more than, more than enough. That's what superabundance literally means. That's God's will. Amen. But you got to get your thinking changed. Your believing changed. Your talking changed. I just cringe when I hear people say, well, you know, well, we're poor, but we're proud. 
Neither one of those anything to be proud of. God can help you so he can get out of poverty. And, he, and, and you can humble yourself and get rid of that pride if you want to, too. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I, you know, we've always been poor. And I'm poor. And I guess you know, that's just the way it is. Got to have a vision. I started to tell you, you know, that I, I grew up kind of a... I, you know, like I said, you don't know you're poor unless you find out what other people have got, but we didn't have a whole lot. We didn't have telephone until I was out of high school. I was a good-sized boy before we got indoor uh, bathroom and those kind of things, you know. But everybody else in the community was the same way, I mean, so, you know, it's just normal. And my parents worked hard, and we always had plenty to eat. They were good folks, you know. But uh, we we always had, you know, a lot of used vehicles and used stuff, and and uh, when, and when when it broke down, you fixed it. You didn't go buy a new one, and usually didn't go buy new parts. It was kind of a rare thing if you bought new parts. You you fixed what you had some way somehow. I mean, you you welded it, you wired it, you you know what I'm saying. You you fixed it, and you saved all the parts because you might need them sometime. <laughs> and so, boy, we had, you know, my mom always had a time with us boys because you know with. My dad was mechanically minded, and, and us boys were. And I mean, we had cars everywhere. We had motorcycles and car, pieces of them, you know, <laughs> pieces of them. And mom had had a great big yard that was a bear to cut, and take you three days to cut the thing, you know. Flowers everywhere, and she liked a nice yard and tried hard to have a nice yard. But we kept, you know, putting all these vehicles and all this junk and got grease on this, and you know, she had to put up with us. Bless her heart. And, um, uh, anyway, I grew up that way. You know, you saved all your parts. Cause you might need them. And after a while, boy, you got parts everywhere, you know. You got parts from things you ain't had for ten years. I mean, you know, got nothing to go on or nothing to, be. but, you know, if you had to go to the junkyard or, or, excuse me, the salvage yard, some people, you know, don't like that word, the salvage yard, that, uh, you, uh, you have to pay a lot, a lot of money for that, you know. So anyway, after my wife and I had married, uh, I got a car that was uh, not very expensive and needed a lot of work. And I did a lot of work on it. We restored it and got some things, got it going pretty good. But we're learning how to believe God. And I told her I'm going to get a new one of these sometime. You know, I'm, I've got my faith confession. I'm believing God. I don't keep it on my mind 24 hours a day, you understand. But I just, uh, I just expecting sometime I'm going to get one of these. You say, I'm going, Lord's going to bless us. Well, we moved two or three times during the course of several years, and every time we'd move, I'd gather up all my parts from everything, you know, and I, you know, and, and one day she said, she said, you're not going to take those parts over the, to our new house, are you? In our next place that we're going to live. And, and I said, well, I said, uh, yeah, I said, you know, boy, if you had to go to the salvage yard, and you, and she said, she said, well, do we even have anything that that'd fit anymore? I said, well, no. Uh, she said, besides that, are you believing the Lord's going to prosper us, aren't you? I said, well, yeah. <laughs> she said, besides that, I thought you said you're believing for a new one. I said, well, yeah. <laughs> I am. And so I, I had to part with my parts. I, <laughs> I bid them farewell. But you understand what I'm saying? I, uh, I, I, I was enlarging my vision that I'm not going to always just be working with wore out stuff. Are you listening? 
Now, you know, you work where you are. You, you do what you can where you are, but have a vision. Have a vision. I'm not going to always be here. And it wasn't too long after that, I did have a new one of those. Amen. Lord blessed us so we could, so we could get it. Praise God. But you know, sometimes people's mentality hinders them from being blessed. The way they live and act, they act like they'll never be blessed. They, you know, I mean, they save everything. They've got bread wrappers from five years ago. <laughs> so I said, well, now, brother, I'm just being a good steward. Are you sure? Are you sure that's all it is? Or have we gone past being a good steward and got a stingy spirit? Poverty spirit. I'm not going to judge it. You decide. You understand? No, you shouldn't be wasteful. You shouldn't be wasteful. But at the same time, what some people call being a good steward is just being, you know, poverty spirit. You know? God's going to be God tomorrow. Amen? He's going to provide for us tomorrow. He's going to take care of us tomorrow too. God wants us to get a vision of the abundant life. Amen? I don't mean necessarily that everybody is supposed to become a multi-billionaire. I don't mean that. Everybody don't need that kind of money. But you do need more than enough for what God is having you to do. Amen. It's all relative for where you're at and where you're called. And what God's called you to do. And you certainly need the abundant life in your body. Don't you? Amen. See, some people have just put up with things. Year after year. That, that causes them, I mean, they have a tolerable degree of health. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they, all, they get by and a lot of times feel halfway decent. <laughs> but they got these chronic things that have just dogged their tracks for years. Keep getting this and keep getting that. Well, I have these headaches or I get this. Or every season I get this, or I always have this. Now, every one of those statements I just said, those are not just statements of fact. Those are prophecies. I get headaches. That's not telling us what has happened in your life. That's a prophecy. You are predicting you're going to get more, and you're believing for it. You understand what I'm saying? If you... Make this adjustment that if you talk about problems that you've had in the past, make sure that you always refer to them in the past tense. I used to have. And I say, yeah, but that was three hours ago. Yeah, but it was used to. <laughs> I ain't prophesying that I'm going to have them tomorrow. You understand? That's the first thing I do is change your mouth, change your words. Life and death's in the power of the, the, the words and the tongue. Don't say I get this or I have this. Well, you know, we have the, you know, we have the worst luck. Every time we get ahead a little bit, it seems like something tears up. People are doing themselves in with their own mouth. Man, I tell you what, it seems like we get, we get a little bit ahead and something tears up. And there you go, got a transmission out. Got to buy a new washer, refrigerator, whatever. I mean, and, and, and we can't get ahead. Every time we get ahead a little bit, they, they, they charge us more taxes. I tell you, it's the beatingest thing I've ever seen in my life. You work hard and try to get ahead and you just, you know. 
Can't get ahead for, for, for losing. You will never prosper talking like that. Never. Never. The devil has a legal right to rip you off right and left and steal and kill and destroy because you are, you are declaring it with your own mouth. He has a legal right to perform your words. When you're down, when your money's tight, when you owe everybody, you gotta start talking. Things go well with me. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out. I tell you what, everything I touch prospers. God blesses me. He gives me favor. Everywhere I go, He gives me favor with people. And I have opportunities that other people just dream about. And people are always giving me things. I said, now, now you're going too far there, Brother Keith. That's Bible. How many believe in Luke 6.38? Give. Now, so you can't say that unless you give it. But give, and what will happen? It shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. I'll give to you, you see. If you're a giver, then you should believe and you could confess. People are always giving me things. Now, don't you ever put your finger on somebody and say, Brother, so-and-so is giving. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's not up to you to choose who gives to you or how or when. But you can believe people are always giving me things. I realize that might sound strange to your ears, but don't throw it away. Don't throw it away. Think about it. People are always giving me things. Always. You might say, well, man, I don't remember the last time anybody gave me anything. You better not say it. You better, if you, if you want things changed, you better start talking the word. If you want to have the abundant life, you've got to talk the abundant life. Now, I can't go too much further today. My time is getting away from me. But I'm introducing you to the second aspect of our study. Which is, the reason that many people do not have more than enough life is because they have too much of the wrong thing and not enough of the right things in many areas. There are imbalances. For you to have more than enough life, there's going to have to be uh, enough and even more than enough of the right things in your life. Imbalances are the culprit in so many people's lives. There is too little of some things and too much of other things. Just for instance, what we're just talking about. Too much griping and complaining and negative talk. Too little faith confession and talking in line with the Word. You understand? Too much belly aching and griping about how things are and have been and too little thanking God and praising God for good things to come. You understand? Let me give you a partial list of some things that I, I, I thought that people have an imbalance in. And this there's quite a few things. You may not want to try to write all these down. And I may be going over some of them later. I just want to kind of give you an over, overview of what I'm talking about. So when I said the title of our series is More Than Enough, I'm not just talking about more than enough life. That's our text. But there's also more than enough of some things in our life and not enough of some other things in our lives. And that's the reason why sometimes people don't have more than enough life. How many realize a lot of folk have more than enough death? More than enough poverty? More than enough sickness? More than enough pain? More than enough grief? More than enough depression? 
I guarantee you again and again, if that's the case, folk have too little of some other things. What I'm talking about here is the law of displacement. You can't be full of two different things. You know, just take a glass, for instance. You got a glass and it's full of orange juice. And you want to fill it with milk. Well, of course, the quickest way, it would just be to pick it up and dump it. Isn't that right? But let's say you couldn't pick it up. Let's say it was fastened to something so that it was immovable. You couldn't move it. There is another way to get the orange juice out and get it full of milk. If you got enough milk. Just start pouring milk in the glass. Isn't that right? What's going to happen? It's immediately going to spill out over the side. A mixture of milk and orange juice. But if you just keep pouring milk, what's going to happen eventually? All the orange juice is going to be displaced and you're going to have just milk. But in order to do that, you've got to have more than enough milk. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Just keep pouring the milk to it. Amen. And eventually, there'll be no more orange juice around there. Maybe on the floor somewhere, but, but not, in that, not in that glass. Right? There's a law of displacement. If you've got things in you that you don't want, you've got more than enough poverty, you've got more than enough sickness or whatever, you can be filled with some other things that will fill you and displace these things until you have more than enough life, more than enough blessing and prosperity. But there has to be the balance of things in our life. Listen to some things. Many people have too much stress, not enough peace and rest. Many have too much selfishness, not enough love. Too much worldliness, not enough holiness. Too much greediness, not enough giving. Too much TV, not enough Bible. Amen. You could talk about that one a while, couldn't you? Too much idleness. You ever heard the saying, idle mind, devil's workshop? Boy, that's true. That's true. You know, my prescription for several people that I've dealt with that had severe problems and spiritual oppression, one of my main prescriptions was get a job. That's right. Some people, the reason they're in the condition they're in is because they sit around all day and listen to the devil. And a lot of other people enable them to do it because they pay all their bills and take care of everything for them. If they were out there having to get up a light bill and, and keep a place to stay and pay for something to eat, they wouldn't have time to listen to the devil all day. I'm not saying that's the one cure-all for everything, but I'm saying that's a, that's a factor. That's a factor. Some people wouldn't have near as much problem with the devil if they was having to make a living for themselves. But if you've got nothing to do but sit around and entertain the devil's imaginations all day and you're dumb enough to do it, well, you're going to have problems. Problems. Idleness. Too much idleness. Not enough productivity in work. Too much complaining. Not enough thanksgiving. Too much religious works. Not enough faith. Too much wrestling. Not enough rest. Too much reasoning. Not enough revelation. Too much flesh. Not enough spirit. How many understand what I'm talking about here? Are you listening? I mean, I'm, I'm just giving you an overview of some things. 
Too much I feel and I see. Not enough God said. You know what I mean by that? See, if you're not careful, you talk too much about what you feel. What you see instead of talking about what God said. It, it might be alright once in a great while to say something about the way you feel. But most of the time you should be talking about what? What God said. Amen? Because what God, believing what God said will change how you feel. Acting on what He said will change how you feel. It'll change you. Too much being busy, busy, busy. Not enough waiting on God. Too much asking. Not enough worship. Too much planning. Out of your mind, you see. Not enough prayer. Too much talking. Not enough doing. Too much counsel of men. Getting counsel from everybody. Not enough seeking God for yourself. I mean, I got, I got at least that many more. But do you see what I'm talking about when I say balances? The reason why sometimes people are not experiencing the abundant life is because their life is out of balance. They don't have enough of some of the things that God told them they need to be overcomers and victorious, and they've got too much of some other things they don't need. How many know the Bible teaches moderation in all things? And the Bible teaches temperance and self-control. And how many know that there are many things, many, many, and we're going to be talking about them as the week goes on. There are many things that I mean a little bit of it, it might be alright, but too much of it can hurt you. Too much of it can be a problem. And if you're not careful, folk get out of balance, and they get uh, things have too much of a place in their life. And it gets them out of balance in different areas of their life, and it robs them of the abundant life that they're supposed to have. In order to have the abundant life, you have to, your life has to be properly balanced. And God has to have His rightful place. And other things can't have too big of a place. See, too much of some things, not enough of others, causes people to have less than enough life. Because different things minister death to you, confusion to you. If you embrace them and meditate upon them, live them, talk them, just like the talk we were talking about. Talking defeat or talking victory. Talking life or talking death. That, that's one of the biggest areas. Folk have heard it. They've heard it taught. But the thing is, many people still, they still don't listen to how they talk. Do you prophesy about your future? I said, do you prophesy about your future? I said, well, I don't. I usually feel inspired to prophesy. Well, you don't have to have special inspiration. You can prophesy by faith according to the Word. Like what? My path is going to grow brighter and brighter. I'm going to grow stronger and stronger in the things of God. My finances are going to get better and better. I'm going to be more and more prosperous. Amen. My health is going to get better and better. I'm going to be stronger and stronger. You may have never enjoyed robust health. But it begins by getting a vision inside of you. Amen. You might have been one of the sickest people in your family and in your community, but get a vision for being one of the healthiest people. May not happen overnight. Have the faith to stay with it. Faith and patience is what enables you to inherit the promises. You just got to believe and keep believing and talk it and keep talking and stay with it. Amen. 
See, too much unbelief, not enough faith. Too much negativism, not enough expectancy. You know? Too much what I feel and how it's been in the past. Not enough what God said and what I expect in the future. Why don't you just stand up right now and I'll lead you in a prophecy. We'll prophesy over our lives. We do it by faith. According to the Word of God. Are you ready? Everybody said out loud, it shall be it will come, come to pass in my life, in my life that, I that I grow closer and closer to the Lord. I know Him better and better. I'll receive more and more light, more and more light understanding, understanding revelation. revelation. I'll walk in greater and greater wisdom. I'll give more and more. I'll receive more and more. Blessings will come to me from every hand and overtake me. Opportunities, great and good, will open unto me. I'll receive favor. I'll be blessed. My efforts will be prospered. My help will improve. My strength will increase. I'll be blessed. And blessed. Greater. And greater. My life will get better. My path will grow brighter. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.